I'm going to read something I wrote because like, I feel more comfortable doing that. And then I'll tell you stuff about my fabulous life in the art world and how incredibly glamorous it's been and powerful and meaningful. Anyway, uh, this is something I wrote about uh, an artist who I have very like deep feelings about that are not always like very... It's like it's sort of like being very close to someone you don't you kind of after a while you love them and then kind of like feel like oh also but you're still with them <laughs> it's like you know it's like you know it's like you hate your parents but or your sister it's better like you hate your sister such a bitch you know but you know whatever she is your sister so you probably aren't going to just totally dump her probably had something important to do with something, maybe, I don't know. Whatever, some dumb metaphor of family or friends or whatever. We all have them, maybe. Anyway, so this is about Dan Golden. Um, and it's, okay, it's a little bit, this is, the version on my phone is not really fully edited, so it's a little rough, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. That'd be tedious, but I'm going to read a little of it. Because I thought everyone can relate to Nan Golden, especially if they hate her. Um, but no. No one is, this is the epigraph. Um, no one has ever written, painted, sculpted, modeled, constructed, or invented anything except in order to extricate himself from hell. Antonin Artaud, Van Gogh, The Suicide Provoked by Society, 1947. If there were a good TMZ for the art world, I could write about Nan Golden there. I really do feel very close to her work, so I could talk trap. Oh dear. Stop. <laughs> I, I, do, I really do feel very close to her work, so I could talk trash about Nan the way I may not be entirely respectful of my best friends, because it's like, Jesus, I know you, and you've put me through things. Remember, this is your best friend who you're kind of disgusted by, but also love dearly, an alibi for my own dubious behavior with so many people. I know all sorts of stuff about you, and you know all sorts of stuff about me, and yes, you're very inconvenienced by me, but chill out. The intimacy of complicity. I feel that way about Nan. I kind of know Nan Golden. I really do know her. We know each other. And now she's Joan of Arc. When I first moved to New York to live without going back to Connecticut, I used to read the pics for film and video by Jay Hoberman in The Village Voice. And one thing he said we should all go see that week was, Nan Golden presents her slideshow of the Ballad of Sexual Dependency at Aperture. I was like, that sounds cool. I'll go to that. Jay Hoberman, having sent me the Collective for Living Cinema and various other deathly loser wannabe destinations that I was so in love with. So I went and I saw Nan Golden presenting her slideshow. She had bleached blonde hair and probably she looked great. I was a rube in a way. Things that didn't go together all add up to picture the 1980s when I'm still this young person coming from the provinces, the other end of the New Haven line. I was very conservative, uptight, middle class. F.T. Marinetti was one thing, getting into area was another. The book had just come out then and I bought it at the St. Mark's bookstore and I loved it. It was so great, all those pictures. But I returned it maybe the same day. And this is a singular kind of personal anecdote for me. In the memoirs of my life, it will be on the first page. 
I Return the Ballad of Sexual Dependency, first edition, first printing. Oh, the scandal of returning it when I liked it. But I just couldn't have it around. It was so compelling, so interesting, so weirdly desirable. Georges Bataille in action. But too many people had dirty feet. Real 1980s periodicity. Bruce Weber's first monograph, which even then was a little cringe, but very, very sexy. In Nan Golden's work, no one looked like that. They didn't look hot. They were desirable in some other way. The straight people looked like people you wanted to know, and the gay ones looked even better because they had to, which is a statement I can't unpack right now, but I know it's real. The book became almost like branding of a certain type of lifestyle or downtownishness, however rough and tumble people looked. It arrived on the cusp of New York being a very different kind of environment than it was even 10 years later. It seems proleptic or anticipatory, buying into something as a look. The colors are good, the people are sexy, and they're in New York, alone, at 21 or 22. All of them look terrible, really desirable, but really terrible. Dirty feet is nothing. The barest, seriously, get over that. Wait till you see track marks and diarrhea and vomit and AIDS and all the heavy, heavy dark curtains coming down on the scenes of high spirits and gritty avant-gardisme. I could protect myself by calling it a cliché, darkness, shock, petit bourgeois. Arto should be the president of the United States, a prophet for me, all writing is shit. My own professional, such as it is, life proves that. But no, he shouldn't be, and neither should Simone Weil. I think of myself as a very 1980s person. What do I mean? Well, something I'm very aware of is that I'm not a nice person. People do well enough with me as their friend, but I'm not a nice person. And anyone who ever called me a nice person, God, you're dumb. The 1980s were the antithesis of the current Weltanschauung or milieu of care, or being careful, considerate, as opposed to my idea of consideration, which is a slightly more intense version of the most banal politesse. That's not true, really. Um, uh, in the 1980s, hostility was the aesthetic for large parts of culture, fashion, movies, and personal relations. A kind of bitchy, over-everything tone that antedates early internet edgelordism or contrarianism. This is not the tone Nan wants to cultivate, which is more in tune with the best way with which the aesthetics of care. I love these people. I love these people who I love. But here we are with Sirens, which is less about care than about pleasure. And very fugitive pleasures that change from one day to the next. Maybe this relates to the druggy or drunky feeling of timelessness in Nan's work. I think it may have been Elizabeth Sussman who wrote about how even Nan's outdoor pictures have an artificial light look to them. So many of the early pictures are interiors, and you assume because so many people are wearing fuchsia satin party dresses that it must be night, except it's Avenue J in 1981 in the middle of the day. And really, day or night, it doesn't make any difference. You come out of the after-hours club, and it's already bright sunshine. When I moved to New York and got a job, as well, this is a stupid paragraph, skip that. Um... Mm. Although in a certain way I was surprised, Sirens looked like an autoriste, Nan Golden, and one could watch Anita Bryan singing the Pledge of Allegiance prefaced by Nan and be obliged to read through it. But it's all appropriated clips, found footage. This is bad, too. I'm sorry. No, don't say appropriate. Oh, no, this is like, maybe we'll stop now. I mean, it's good, but it's like, oh, this is a good part. Aubrey Beardsley said that it was important to show vice correctly. Wickedness must be punished, but first it must be recognized, or something like that. What I said before about Nan being Joan of Arc now, without, we hope, the immolation, 
In some ways, it is about her refusing to apologize for being the person and artist and cultural figure that she largely was, while still doing something intense and great. On an aesthetic level alone, some of Nan's actions with pain, like the one at the Temple of Dendur, were really funny. Kind of brilliant. Anyway, uh, as, long as, you, as long as you don't go too far down the stony end, Barb, I don't know if this is dumb. I don't like that either. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of good. Um, maybe you heard enough. But there's like a, I don't know. Oh, this part is like so insane. <laughs> there was a period when started that when Nan started there. There was a period when Nan started painting on paper, naive, super cool style, more naive than a Francis Alice anyway. The paintings were still about the same subject matter, and part of that subject matter is a feeling. This is something very serious. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Nan when she was in the Priory, putting out cigarettes on her hands and wrists, but it's like, really? You were doing that and you took a picture of it? That's a lot. That's fabulous. At the Priory! Priory's a really, really super fancy rehab in London, outside of London, like the fanciest in the, ever. Like, just you want to go there. want to get fucked up to go there if you're rich. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't go there. Uh, um... You were doing that. You took a picture of it. That's a lot. That's fabulous. At the Priory. And I'm seeing it at Matthew Marks. I'm in love again. It's so fucked up. But this is none of that. Okay, whatever. Uh, okay, that's enough, probably. Unless there's a good part. There are good parts, but it goes on and on and on, you know. Do you have a PDF of that? Or like, um, a, can you send that to us later? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, as I said, it's a bit. It's a bit. Yeah, it's like, you know. <laughs> if you really do want to, well, let's see. Let's, yeah, sure. Yeah, I can. Uh, oh, this is good. I'll just read this part. In a thematic sense, it's older but not wiser for a long time. We're no longer at Club 57 or ABC or Rafik's OP screening room, but a beautiful hotel in Venice or Berlin. Of course, Berlin. It's still the same story. The furnishings are better, but the temperament remains. You have the spiritual amplitude slash lack of good judgment to entertain this way of living for really a while, however bitchy that sounds. That's how I live my own life, to an eerie degree. Like I said, I'm really very close to Dan's work. I mean, I really am literally very close to it. The feeling is the same. Uh, anyway, that's enough of that. But, um... Nan Golden. So, like, that's kind of about, like, in a way, it's really about, like, what I was, I guess I'm going to uh, say something about um, how I got into the art world or something, or whether I was interested in art or things like that, which I find incredibly geeky to talk about and embarrassing. But, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, share. Um, let's see. Um, well, I, like, uh, um, I was always very into art, like any of you probably were from a young age. And uh, I was an only child, and I was really, really spoiled, like crazy. Can you believe it? <laughs> like really a lot. Like I just got whatever I wanted all the time. But I only wanted like really like fancy, nice things because I was like kind of a twisted, tortured little, you know, outsider, 12-year-old, 10-year-old. You know, it's like, yes, I want that Gustav Klimt book. It's kind of tacky, but kind of great. Let's go to Saks. <laughs> Mommy. 
It's so gross. Um, anyway, um, so, oh, yeah, and I'm from Connecticut. She's like, I don't know, like, does that register for you, Connecticut? It's like New York, but not like New York at all, but very close to New York and very related. And all my life is, I, my whole life, I mean, even when I went, lived in other places, it's really all been about the New Haven line, um, the commuter line between New Haven and, uh, and, and Grand Central uh, from, like, forever since, you know, the beginning. <laughs> um, and um, what else? Um, what am I trying to say? Um, anyway, so I, I, I went to college. I went to, like, a, you know, good college, really good college. Like, very good. Like, on paper, like, the best. <laughs> um, and I did really well. Uh, sort of. I mean, um, and then I, I moved to New York because that's what people just did. Unless, especially if they didn't know what they wanted to do and they could just do it, you know? Because, and it was easy for me because I sort of was very familiar with New York already, so it wasn't like that crazy. I mean, you know, um, I guess it's like hard. I don't know. But it was still... I don't know. What am I trying to say? Um, and I and I, I got a job at a law firm, um, a very big, very powerful law firm, which is still a big, powerful law firm. Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Wharton, and Garrison. And I did nothing at all until the end of the day. Sometimes until the end of the day, maybe on like a Friday. And then I did a lot for like I stayed up for a couple of days, like doing horrible, stupid things. Um, you know, but um, but um, I didn't really have to come. I mean, I was basically I was at work, and I was like, you know, you didn't have to do anything all day except, you know, I had my own. Even like nobodies like me had offices. It was bizarre and great, you know. Uh, and I did it because I didn't want to go to law school right away, which is what um, I really had programmed almost from like an early age. Law school, medical school, medical school, law school. Graduate school if you're, like, pathetic, but don't do that, like your mother, your stupid mother, you know. If you want to do that, that's so dumb, so miserable. You know, I, sometimes I think, you know, I wish she hadn't said that, but, you know, probably she was right. That's the thing. I don't think I was – many people told me I wasn't cut out for graduate school because even if I had, like, a certain – academic-ish kind of vibe or something or interests. I just couldn't socially, like, be that person. So now I'm like, yeah, fuck academia, except it's nice anyway to, like, go to school. Um, I like school. Um, so I went, I didn't want to go to law school. I was medical school. I was like, no way, you have to cut up a dead body. Forget it. Gross. It's disgusting, you know, to be just like, you know, what, to be a dermatologist, you have to do that, really? <laughs> Can I just, like, you know, like, read, like, you know, Skin Journal and Vogue and figure it out, you know? I don't know. That's very, dermatologists are important health professionals. Um, they are. Um, <laughs> um, but, like, that was, like, kind of, like, I don't know, like, um, so, so I, I thought, like, okay, well, I'll go to law school because, like, lots of people I know are lawyers, and they look like they have really, like, boring 
lives, but they're kind of like, all of them are kind of rich, like all of them that I knew then. None of them had any interest in doing good in the world. They were just like, we're doing this horrible job and we're going to make a lot of money, like, you know, knocking down old buildings and building new ones because we're real estate lawyers or, you know. I mean, the most, the most advanced person I knew who was a lawyer was a divorce lawyer. <laughs> it was like, that was like the interesting kind of thing you did. Otherwise, it really sucked. And divorce law is like gross. I mean, everyone's favorite person at a party. Interesting, though. Um, so anyway, I, I went to this law firm and I got this job and I did nothing until I, like the end of the day and then I worked overnight. And they kind of like, when I got out like around midnight or 1 a.m., I would go out. <laughs> Because I was like, you know, like, walk on the wild side, darkness, New York, ooh, evil, <laughs> you know, like in a sexy way. And New York's in the 80s, like when it was still very kind of fucked up, <laughs> a lot of it, like, you know, unless you're like, okay, Midtown, East is okay, yeah, Free Side is okay, maybe the Upper West Side, some of it is okay. Most of downtown was not okay. It was like, uh, I mean, you know, you have to think again, like coming from, the provinces, the far end of the New Haven line being very um, coincé, cornered, um, uptight, but also wanting to be like, I want to be bad. Um, it was like so dumb, and I'm embarrassed telling you, but you know, it's like so long ago, who cares, right? And you know, it's funny. I'm sure I'm not <laughs> the last person who came to New York from a really kind of like fairly privileged and very, like, coincé background who want to be like, ooh, like, evil, Jean Genet, Patti Smith, like, ooh, Robert Maplethorpe, nakedness, ooh, sexuality, ooh. Like, it's like, how tired, right? But, <laughs> ooh, sex, ooh, like, I mean, at least when you're young, you can, like, have it instead of just thinking about it, which is pathetic, but that's what your future will be. Anyway, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's really true. It's gross if you're, like, you know, grown up and you were, like, not just thinking about it. It's like, ugh. not good. Um, I mean, like, a 50-year-old grown up, like your parents say. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. This <laughs> is too personal. Uh, usually I'm really not, like, a good public speaker. Sorry. Um, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I'd go out, and, like, then I'd stay out till, like, 4 a.m., last call, we kind of drunk, and then go out to an after-hours club, and then go home and sleep for three or four hours, and, and then go to work, maybe, like, around lunchtime. So it was kind of, like... It was fun. It was cool, in a way. But it wasn't like I didn't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> All I did was like go to galleries, just like you know, like I mean, it's like I don't know. Do I really need that much money? Well, actually, I did, and it was a big mistake. I should have been a lawyer. Also, as you get older, you discover there are things you want to do where you want to sue people, and it'd be great if you could just do it yourself. <laughs> Was this friend of mine, she was the most credentialed person in the world. She went to Harvard, Cambridge, and Yale Law School. And when she got, she took the, um, the bar, she passed the bar, she said, I'm never going to do this. It's a horrible thing. It's just, I hate it. But I can sue people now. 
And you know, I've, I never thought I'd be the kind of person who said I want to sue people, but I do. So that is the thing. It was kind of, you know, maybe I should have done that. And, you know, and not, like, been a lawyer, but whatever. I thought you were stuck with it. Um, so while I'm trying to, like, be, like, really, like, like, lazy and also very, like, kind of corrupt, like, just billing lots of overtime just all the time, like, I don't know, they're just incredibly rich. It's like, I don't know. And, and they made me, I was incompetent also. So incompetent doing the stupidest things in the world. So they promoted me. So I could supervise other paralegals. It was so genius. It was a great fantasy. I didn't recognize it at the time. But now, looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I had so much like completely undeserved and spiteful power. It was great. Like, I'll be up later around you know, three or something to check your work, see your progress. Madeline. <laughs> Josh. Yes, you, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I go to my office and like go to sleep. <laughs> it was great. Um, anyway, that was the end of that. I haven't been able to exercise any power over anyone since then, which is a drag. But you know, um, well, you know. Um, so, um, oh yeah. So I'm telling you everything about except going to the art world. But it's like, this is like really like, this is like you have to think of as like the huge, like giant, thick styrofoam packing materials for like the art world, like the whole bits of art world and, and beauty and aesthetics and meaning and truth and love and all the great things and history. And, and I was really very academic. I like read a lot. I was like, you know, people said I was smart. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I believed it then. Um, but really, I was just like tripped out about being a certain kind of middle class. I guess it's all the same, right? You know, and you have to be like aspirational and you have to do all these things. And I don't know, you can be really spoiled and really like a fuck off, but you still have to like, you know. So that for me was like, it was a huge deal to like, and what am I going to say? Like, oh, like. I saw this Rob Gober show when I was like a, a junior in college and it really like just destroyed me and like, changed my life. And it's like, it didn't. It was great. I loved it. I did see it very early on. But, you know, I was just like, you know, it, tragedy and suffering were like cool things also from the point of view of like a 19, 20, 21 year old kind of like person. Um, and they are still. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> They're also horrible and drags. But, you know, I was in the bookstore today, like, looking for things. And there was this book by this famous writer, um, <laughs> who I've never read, but I know he's a famous writer. He has the most annoying name, but I, I can't tell you because probably, like, he's very well known and probably some of you really love his work and really look up to him. Maybe. Um, but anyway, it was called something like I want to say it was called Choose Life or something. <laughs> no, like Seize Joy or something like that. Seizing Joy by so-and-so. Important writer. And I was just like, I'm going to vomit. That's the last thing I ever want to do is Seize Joy. And so that's for dumb people. Anyone, I don't care who he is. Have you ever like Seize Joy? Like, or, 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 you know, Cultivate, I don't know, something Joy. Anything with Joy in the title 
you know, except the joy of sex maybe, but even that, like, gross, right? The joy of gay sex? No. Ew, no. Trust me, no. Um, yeah, joy. Achieving, seizing, cultivating something joy. Uh, and he's also, like, super, like, you know, oh, whatever. So I'm, like, staring at that, and I'm, like, I don't know. I'm not into that. I hate that. I've always hated that. That's why I like suffering and misery, because it's more, like, it's very pretentious and very, like, <laughs> yeah, right, okay, you're, like, you're wearing black, I know. <laughs> I have black things, too. <laughs> Are you doing, like, black thrift store black or crumb des garçons black? What's your black mood right now? Or are you kind of, you know, code shifting between, like, different fashion registers of black? It can definitely be done. Like, some of you are doing it right now. I see it. <laughs> you can talk about fashion. That's always fun. Uh, anyway, um, what? I don't know. Yeah, art, beauty. I mean, I do know a lot about art. And the thing is, like, when I, like, started in the art world, oh, this is how I got into art. It's like I'm at my job. And I, like, afterwards, I go to, like, this bar on Avenue, 2nd Avenue and 4th Street, which was at one time kind of a famous, you know, famous um, bar catering to a certain sort of artistic, artistic clientele. Uh, and I loved it. The first time I went there, I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, get me out of these. These people are so scary. And then I went, like, like five days a week. I would have gone every night, except I thought, like, that was just too victim-y. I probably did, actually, you know. Um, um, anyway, and I'm sitting there. There's this really, really attractive person, like, really, like, so much more attractive than everyone else, to my mind, anyway, who also looks miserable, which kind of, like, gave it a different sort of, like, depth. Like, oh, he looks, like, troubled. Yay, fun, let's be troubled together. <laughs> and um, I'm just like, oh, let's see, let's see, we we'll play something on the jukebox, couldn't care less, like, ooh, the pixies, blah, blah, blah. Patty Smith is so pretentious and tiresome, but let's play her too, and whatever. And like, duh, like, hey, hi, what's up? It's like, I, I, do people still talk that way? Hey. It's like, especially people who have my kind of voice, and they're like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I can laugh at it. You can't. Uh, <laughs> unless you're one, whatever. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, so, like, excited, because I'm, like, oh, my God, this person is really, like, good-looking, and he's, like, it's weirdly intelligent, which is not, like, the normal thing. And, like, usually, like, the intelligent people all, like, Try not to be intelligent, because that it, being intelligent is like, no, right? And he's just like talking about like, like I don't know, like ordinary language philosophy and Peter Halley and like the Bauhaus and how the Bauhaus is really like you know misogynistic, but he doesn't really care about that. He loves the Bauhaus, but it was and like Annie Alberts doesn't matter. <laughs> going on and on. And where'd you go to school? And I was like, oh, I went here. And he's like, really? Like, so, like, I've never seen, like, for someone who, <laughs> just like the, usually it's something I'm like, kind of cringe, unless, 
but like, like, like sunbeams coming out of his eyes to the darkness. Um, like, uh, do you know Harold Bloom? And I was like, yes. And what about Paul? And I was like, all these, like, all these people who are like famous, like, like, like literary literature people in the eighties. Um, then I was like, yes, I, yeah, I, yeah, I know, yes, I do. But like, it's just so into it, and so like, like I felt like a movie star, like so glamorous, having like been in like some, you know, seminar about Wordsworth and Hegel with Andre Wanyinsky at wherever, and <laughs> and he's just loving it, and I'm so excited because also he's like so good looking, and has like such a great body, and is so cool and so smart, and just knows lots of people. But it's just, like, not happening because it's, like, all, like... Because he's, like, that freak, too. Like, uh, and we're talking about, like, like, you know, Austin's how to do things with words, you know, and, like, the, bl- the, the, the black and... The blue and brown notebooks of Wittgenstein. And I'm like, oh, God, what a loser. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. And he's like, Peter Halley. We're talking about Peter Halley a lot now. Like, Peter Halley is, like, critique of geometry and the social is really, like, naive and he doesn't know what he's taught. And I'm like, you're so right. That's, like, yes. And he's like, you know, he's like, I don't know how, how we get to it, but somehow he's like, you know, you should write about art. He says, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I read, I, I do read art criticism, you know, I, I like it. I love, you know, I've been reading art forums since I was like a sophomore in high school. It's a great magazine. And, you know, it's really good. Sometimes I read the other ones, but, you know, that one is like a go-to for like, in the square, the square shape just like draws you in. Um, and he's like, you should write for art forum. You're much better. You're much smarter, much better writer. He doesn't even know my name. Maybe, maybe he remembers my name at this point. He's like, you're, he's like, you're a much better writer than <laughs> people who write for art forum. At that particular time, probably I kind of was. Of the, it was not the most glorious period, but he's it's like, well, that's that's a nice thing to do. I mean, you know, but I don't, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, no, you should call up this guy I know at Art Forum, uh, Charles Miller. Do you know him? You know him? He's a really cool guy. I'm like, no, who's that? He's like, he's one of the. He's like the editor or something. He's like he was he was the managing editor. And I'm like I'm like, okay. So I like, like you know, afterwards, like you know, it's like, but like we become friends, and he's like, no, you really have to like call up Art Forum, and write for them because you know they need you. I'm like really? I mean, I don't think I don't, I don't know about that, but um, well, anyway, I did. I was like, hi, can I speak to Charles Miller? Because that's how you did things back then. You just called people. There was no, you know, or wrote a letter, right? <laughs> I love being old. Uh, not really. Um, and Charles Miller called me back and said, well, why don't you come in on whatever and we can have a conversation and I don't know, whatever. Oh, and then I, like, we chatted and he was, like, very, like, hardcore and, like, well, you know, everyone wants to write for us. I was like, oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm so, it's a joke. I'm so embarrassed that I'm here. Whatever. I wrote this little thing as a, like, a little test about some review of something. Um, an artist show. Uh, <laughs> they loved it so 
much. I mean, they didn't say they loved it, but obviously they did because they didn't even cha- they changed one word, and they published it. And they said, "What are you going to do next?" I was like, oh, "Okay." And it was just the, that's the beginning of the end. That's like I should have like done those other things and been like you know that other person. But then I was like just in the art world. And I was like, I don't. I'm going to be like this glamorous like you know person who goes to you know Mary Boone and and gets drunk and drinks and snorts cocaine in the back room and then goes to a canal bar and doesn't eat very much because I've been snorting cocaine in the bathroom and. You know, whatever. I'm talking about, you know, Peter Halley and form and, you know, the social and Baudrillard. Because, like, you know, I'm very good at that because, yeah, you know, I just am. I'm prepped for that. I was created for that. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, I should have just, like, done that and, like, just done it for, like, a year or even less and then just done something else. But instead I just was, like, I guess, you know, I was, like, meeting all these cool people and I don't have any money. None of this pays anything. And I really, like, I need, you know, money. But, like, we'll worry about that later. In the meantime, we'll just call our grandmother because uh, she's still alive and whatever. Why not? Um, and, um, yeah, that's it. That's how I got into the art world. Isn't that, like, kind of like, oh, yes, I want to do that. Like, you should, you're a much better per, you're a much better writer than anyone who writes for Art Forum now. I was like, really? You're so hot. <laughs> you're really hot <laughs> and smart too. It's weird. I mean, it's, I have to get used to that. But yeah. Anyway, um, questions. <laughs>